Welcome to Deep Dives with ISPU, a podcast by the Institute for Social Policy and Understanding. On today's podcast, ISPU Executive Director Mira Nagaz will be joined by Jaime Mujahid Fletcher, CEO and co-founder of Islam in Spanish. They're sharing a conversation on research-informed insights on Latino Muslims. One of the many reasons we're excited to share this conversation is ISPU's new partnership with Islam in Spanish. Specifically, we're planning on conducting research that dives deep into a data point we discovered in our 2019 American Muslim poll, which showed that Hispanic Americans score significantly lower on the Islamophobia index than other racial and ethnic groups we studied. They're also more likely to have friends who are Muslim. In fact, our poll found Hispanic Americans are five times as likely to hold favorable opinions of Muslims as they are to have negative attitudes. Understanding more about why this is the case will help us address Islamophobia throughout American society. Now, on to Miera's conversation with Jaime Mujahid Fletcher. Thank you so much for joining us today for our latest episode of Deep Dives with ISPU. My name is Miera Nagaz, and I'm very proud to serve as the Executive Director of ISPU. I'm excited to be hosting what I know will be a very interesting discussion, and that's because I'm joined by Jaime Mujahid Fletcher, the CEO and co-founder of Islam in Spanish, whose bio could fill this entire segment. Very warm welcome to you, Mujahid. Thank you so much. Very excited to be here. Perhaps we could start by, you know, telling us a little bit about why you founded Islam in Spanish and what Islam in Spanish actually does. So the catalyst of beginning Islam in Spanish was due to the lack of material in the Spanish language when we embraced Islam. And we found out due to the unfortunate incidents of September 11th. I embraced Islam three months before September 11th. And soon thereafter, my girlfriend at the time, uh, we got married a month later. And then my father at 57 became Muslim. And his native language of Spanish is the predominant language that he reads in. And when I went looking for material, there was almost no material in the Spanish language. So when September 11th happened, we were asked to speak in front of the media, to speak in churches and so many different civic spaces. And my dad just turned to me one day and he said, hey, if this material hasn't been produced in Spanish, uh, you should do it and I'll help you. And so we began producing what eventually became over 300 audiobooks. We used my father's voice. Those recordings included the entire Quran in Spanish, uh, a lot of the classical works that had not been transferred over into the Spanish language. And we worked with translators from Mecca and different parts of the world. The mission was to produce material in the Spanish language to educate Latinos about Islam worldwide. Obviously, 20 years later, which now we're on our 20th year, the mission changed. And now we do have a production studio and still produce media, but we have uh, our headquarters in Houston, Texas, and we're a global brand or organization that still focuses on educating Latinos about Islam worldwide, but it's become a lot more bilingual as well. We do a lot of talking in different universities and other spaces in the English language, but in the end, we, our vision is to see lives transformed into productive global citizens collaborating for the common good. That's amazing. And congratulations to making it to 20, um, which is no small feat for any nonprofit. You clearly, as an organization, you're quite unique in serving the Latino Muslim community in the United States. Can you tell us a little bit about what is unique about the community itself? 
And also, why does this group merit the attention of researchers like ISPU? One of the things that we notice is that converts are a minority amongst the Muslim community. Uh, some research in the past went up to 25%. So one out of every four Muslims in America, supposedly, according to some research, will be a convert. So 75% are people from Muslim lands or Muslim majority, majority lands, or people who have been born in a Muslim family from different ethnic groups, predominantly uh, Arab and South Asian. We happen to be Latino, but also myself being from Colombia, I'm a minority within the Latino community. So Colombians are, are sometimes five, 7% of the overall Latino population. So the Latinos are an ethnic growing group in America. Right now, it's almost 20% of the U.S. population, but it's estimated to uh, grow significantly. Some research shows that by the year 2050, one out of every three U.S. Uh, residents will be a Latino, making it about 33%. And also, according to ISP research, we found that in a decade, Latinos embraced Islam 700% more than, than you know, any other group. And so we're at the intersection of being Latino, being Muslim, having accepted Islam as a faith, and we live in America, which is very diverse. Uh, so one of the ways that we're building our center in Houston uh, is to create a, a, a museum that highlights the contributions of Muslims from Spain so that Latinos can know about their roots from Islam, from El Andalus, from Muslim Spain, which is almost 800 years. That gets us about 4,000 plus words of the Spanish language from Arabic and a lot of the architecture in Latin America. So that's pretty interesting. And then Muslims also get to know a little bit about the golden age of Muslim Spain. And a lot of times it's not understood that Islam was a Western religion when it was in Spain natively. And the American public really appreciate to know that uh, Muslims is not just uh, the images of what we see nowadays and things associated with the Middle East. There's a lot of contributions, science, math. So we're at the crux of being um, Latino, Muslim and American. And I think there's a lot to unpack there. Indeed, it's it's such a rich tapestry of a community, just overlapping culture and, and such, you know, historical culture. It's, it's amazing. I very much look forward to visiting that museum when it's when it's up and running. You mentioned a little bit about our research before. And indeed, you know, we do know some things from our existing research. We know that both Muslims and Latinos in the United States are two quickly growing groups. From our 2017 American Muslim poll, we know that 5% of American Muslims identified as Latino at that particular moment in time. And in 2020, just three years later, that number rose from 5% to 9%. What do you think is accounting for this change? And what kinds of changes in the Latino Muslim community do you expect to see in the coming years? As Latinos embrace Islam, um, everyone's trying to find their way to contribute to a space that uh, really has not been uh, developed. You know, there's a lot of material that's been developed in the English language, but it wasn't the case maybe before the 70s or so, right? So Spanish is almost at the 70s or 80s level. Sometimes whenever we look at material, there's a huge opportunity there. Uh, we We produce about five to seven hours worth of audio and video produce material that we disseminate worldwide. 
what we're seeing now is that because of the internet and social media, uh, we were just last as of last month reaching about 2 million people on Facebook alone. So what we think happens whenever people engage in the content, uh, at first they think it's very foreign, but then they look at us as native speakers or people who come from a similar background. So it, it makes Islam more native. And I think that's a testament to the ability of us being able to normalize the image of Islam in America and the Western Hemisphere in general when we travel in Latin America. We're from here, but we happen to be Muslim. That breaks a lot of misconceptions and stereotypes that people may have uh, regarding Islam and Muslims, thinking that it's the religion of the Arabs, which is, you know, misconception. And so we are seen almost as, you know, this unique new type of people kind of navigating cultures within the Muslim community, as well as within the Latino community. So we have become by default, like educators to our families and the neighborhoods where we grew up, because we're having to go back and explain why we have this newfound identity to our friends, to our friends and family who have been knowing us all our lives. So you find that a lot of Latinos become pretty good at explaining why they became Muslim. And when the image of Islam is normalized or, oh, okay, it's not that foreign. Some of those people go on to embrace Islam or they become educated about Islam, which is going to help our literacy uh, regarding, you know, what Islam and Muslims are, which we hope will uh, diminish the sentiments of Islamophobia that are found in society oftentimes. You talked a little bit about your own experience with conversion many years ago and that of your father's. And, and a significant amount of Latino Muslims in the United States are, in fact, converts. Can you share a little bit about why this is significant to the work of Islam in Spanish and to the Latino Muslim community more broadly? When we embrace Islam, the Muslim community didn't know how to nurture a person embracing Islam. <laughs> we realized that day one. Uh, we become Muslim, you know, people, hugs, you know, come from different uh, people of different backgrounds, but then they don't really know uh, what's next. And so part of what we've been focusing on is not only disseminating the message to people who are not yet Muslim, but when someone embraces Islam, we have an intake type of program called Dean Sprouts in the English language and Cultivando el Dean, which is the equivalent in Spanish, which is like cultivating your Dean. First thing that we see that's important is to set a foundation with Islamic principles of this newfound identity so that it doesn't just become an outward appearance of dressing like the majority Muslim group that's around you. Somebody embraces Islam with Arabs, they'll look like an Arab. Somebody embraces Islam with South Asian, they, talk, they take on those attributes or, you know, with somebody who's Indonesian. We want people to change from within, you know, with the awareness as to God consciousness and tie in those elements that are from our culture that are found in Islam. So we have a presentation called Islamic Roots in the Latino Culture, where we highlight a lot of our customs actually coming from Islam. And when I was living in Latin America, I realized, I mean, people used to take a siesta in the middle of the day. This is something that the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, used to do. It's called Qailula. So I was able to tell my family, even in Colombia, it's like, hey, why this siesta in the middle of the day? Where did it come from? And so whenever we go back and explain something about Islam, we tie it in with culture. Then it really becomes something that we had, but we didn't know. 
And then discovering that heritage, that lost heritage can put us in a framework of, you know what, maybe I don't know too much about my ancestors. And then you find the Inquisition. Oh, actually, there was a disruption to our lineage, almost similar to what happened with the slave trade with African-Americans. Right. And then the more that we go into that discussion, the, the better that we have been in regards to just uncovering a lot of the good that Islam did for previous generations in Spain, even in Africa, because a lot of Latinos are Afro descendants. And then all of a sudden you start feeling like, you know what, Islam is for everybody and it could be for me as well. And that leads to families becoming Muslim. My father became Muslim. My mother accepted Islam. My wife's mom, uh, her aunt, her little brother. And so we're seeing people not only embrace Islam as individuals, but as families. And in our center, we have a diverse group of people becoming Muslim, not only Latino, but white American, African-American. We have people from Taiwan. (laughs) We have people from all walks of life. Because when you look at the principles of Islam, they are universal in nature. I was wondering at at the intersections that you sit at, right, that Latino Muslims sit at, Can you tell me a little bit about what might be some of the unique challenges that this Latino Muslim community faces, both within the wider American society, also potentially within the Latino communities? So as as a man embracing Islam, I I can walk into a grocery store and they may not know that that I'm Muslim, right? If a woman embraces Islam and she chooses to wear the headscarf, the hijab, she will possibly be looked at as if as as if she's from somewhere else in the middle east (laughs) and so women have run into situations latino women we know they're at the grocery store and somebody says something about them in spanish right uh they must be hot you know something like this and so the latina women begin to you know engage and say hey you know uh, you know start speaking in spanish and so this is unique that society will try to corner you, you know, into kind of a, you know, into a very specific sense of misconceptions. And then people who become Muslim, you know, especially the, in this case, Latino women have a way to break that boundary right away. When they hear the language, then it's like, what? I, I didn't even know that this could happen. You know, my family thought that I, I became Arab or I wanted to become Arab when I became Muslim. Same thing with my wife. So that those prejudices that are basically carried out, maybe even in the media, you know, in regards to like Arab men being violent, you know, from movies back in the 70s and 80s and in Hollywood that we find those misconceptions are real. And when we become Muslim, we now we now have to face them. If we didn't accept Islam, we wouldn't have to be discussing these these issues. So when we go to the Muslim community, they may not know. Um, our needs as new Muslims, because they haven't gone through that experience. Majority of mosques are led by people who were born in Islam. And so we have to almost like educate our community as to the needs. And if we want to bring our parents who are not Muslim, you know, we can't just tell them, take off your shoes, sit on the floor, you, you know, do things that are just not within the nature of how they live, you know, in common America. So we have to find a way to create a space where people can choose to sit down on a couch, not take their shoes off. And then some people who are, you know, more in tune with the way that mosques are and taking the shoes off and sitting on the floor, both can work. So we're looking at how to make a space where people are comfortable, but yet we can have dialogue 
I think that breakdown of dialogue was really noticeable when we became Muslim with September 11th. We asked ourselves, why didn't the Muslim community tell people who weren't Muslim in society who they were and what they believed in? Why is it us who just became Muslim having to do this? And out of that came the work of Islam in Spanish and so many different organizations as well. I mean, we've, we've noticed that there was an increasing number of efforts trying to explain to the American people from a lot of the converts as to why we choose Islam and what that really means for the greater Muslim community. Civic engagement is very important. And now we have to almost be like the best Latino, the best Muslim in order to then be able to show up and be the best American in society. And ISPU was born of that moment as well. And, you know, the research we conduct is very much to to help provide a real uh, reliable snapshot of the lived experiences of Muslims um, in this country. And speaking of our research, we are hopefully going to be doing some research together. And we'll be looking at the, you know, sort of examining the lower levels of Islamophobia that we've observed through our own research among Latinos broadly. What are you personally most excited about as we hopefully begin this research? Uh, when we began discussing uh, this collaboration with ISPU, uh, I was very happy to hear that some of the findings uh, that ISPU uh, has, has researched is that there's a lower index of Islamophobia amongst Latinos. And that was great. It checks out in our experience. You know, there are people uh, who may have some thought about Islam or Muslims not being too favorable, but all in all, the majority of Latinos are usually accepting of differences amongst people. Uh, I lived in Colombia and South America, and they look at foreigners as, you know, people that they're welcoming, you know, to those lands. They don't look at them as outsiders. They look at them as people who are coming to visit, and they actually spend their time and money to come to a foreign land to meet them. So I think Latinos have a lot of affinities with the culture. Uh, whenever we look at Islam, the family ties, the importance of family is there. If we continue doing this work beyond 20 years, and it's only about the messaging that we have uh, seen works based on our cultural competence or experience, we're going to miss out on some of the unknown type of sentiments that Latinos may have regarding Islam and Muslims. And that's why I believe that it's very important to carry out research. I would like to know, you know, what Latinos really think uh, about Muslims, for example, who they have co uh, come to meet, you know, at, at, at the workplace, for example. How, how many Latinos actually have met a Muslim? You know, that, that's something interesting. And if they have met a Muslim, what has been that experience? Uh, because we found that some people who weren't Latino, right, had a non-favorable view of, Latino, of, of Muslims, but then when they met a Muslim, it changed. But in our experience, sometimes Latinos work with Muslims in, let's say, halal meat stores. It's a lot of Latinos cutting up that halal meat, but they have no clue about Islam. They have not been educated about Islam. And unfortunately, if they're treated as just a, a worker and they're not even uh, said good morning to, right? They feel that, you know what, whatever my boss believes in, I don't want any part of it. And we have had that sort of experience where people say, I'm not going, I don't want to learn about the religion of my 
uh, boss because he's just not a nice person, <laughs> you know? So it would be great to be able to get deeper into that. And obviously the overall sentiment of Islam growing amongst Latinos, you know, what do Latinos feel about that? What happens whenever somebody's grandchild becomes Muslim? What happens when a father, we've seen some, um, there's a young lady that became Muslim with us and her father disowned her, said, you're no longer my daughter, right? What, what are those reasons? Uh, I hope that in the way that we craft the words or, you know, the, the, the sort of survey, you know, in conjunction with you guys, that we kind of look to see what we're curious to know of, you know, from a human level, but then also the broader sense of how ISPU carries out the research and what that means for us living in America and living in the Western hemisphere, because Latinos voting today is totally different than a decade ago they have certain priorities that is shocking some people, uh, especially people coming out of Cuba and Venezuela. Uh, they're, they're voting different. They're no longer all Democrat, right? Some voting Republican. There's reasons for that. And I'm wondering if that has any alignment to do with creed belief, and especially as Latinos become Muslim, you know, how we can understand the landscape of America better. And, and the, the pluses that the Muslim community should learn from regarding Latinos uh, with, with this topic. So I'm looking forward to working with you uh, with ISPU and, and being able to draw something that can help us as a community and as a society. I'm really excited about the work that you do at Islam in Spanish. And, and that is my last question to you is I'm sure that other people are also interested in learning more. So how can people learn more about what you do and get involved with Islam in Spanish? So because we produce media, our social media handles are very important to us. Somebody can find us, you know, on YouTube, on Facebook, uh, obviously our website, you know, slaminspanish.org, Instagram, TikTok. I mean, all of the different venues. Uh, my background is in multimedia, which means multiple ways of sending a message. The audio uh, platforms, the video platforms, we try our level best to disseminate productions that we do there. So all of the resources are for free. If someone goes to our website, they'll be able to gain information about what we do, who we serve and how. If somebody goes on Facebook and just clicks like, they may get a notification of when a person is taking their Shahada or accepting Islam. We have people embracing Islam online, you know, all year round. And there's a lot of people who just follow because they're so happy to see people embracing Islam. And that happens customarily with the work of Islam in Spanish. Uh, if you follow YouTube, there's an audio and video that people go on to share with other people. Their neighbors may be Latino, but, you know, they don't know how to talk to them. They may say, hey, I found this, you know, this organization I wanted to share with you. It's actually in Spanish or they're Latinos doing this. And it's broken down boundaries. We, we, we almost become the voice for some people, break down boundaries if, if the material is used as a resource. However people utilize it, it's gone beyond whatever we thought. You know, Cairo University was using our website to teach uh, Egyptians uh, Spanish in Cairo University, something we would have never imagined. There are uh, radio stations in Panama that take our audio and play it. We just hope that whoever goes in to look at what we do can find meaning and share it with the world, especially the fact that so many of us come in contact with Latinos in some moment in time, uh, especially living here in America. 
Thank you so much, Mujahid. That was a very interesting conversation. I learned a lot. And I just want to thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. And uh, we appreciate the work that ISPU does. And uh, we're very fortunate to be able to collaborate with such a, a meaningful institution that the, the insight and the, the foresight that you guys have regarding the research that you do, we're humbled and very happy to hear that there was interest to look into this realm. And we have been challenged before looking for data whenever we speak to the media, whenever we speak at universities, they're asking us for solid data of research. And we're often saying there's just not too much research in this realm. So we hope that with this collaboration, we'll be able to offer data that will go on to really educate, you know, and build understanding. So we, we thank you for the generous collaboration. Thank you so much to Miera and Mujahid for the conversation. We can't wait to share more about this upcoming research. So make sure you're signed up for our newsletter to receive the latest updates from us. You can do that at ispu.org backslash sign dash up. If you enjoyed this episode of Deep Dives with ISPU and would like to hear more discussions like this, subscribe wherever podcasts are found. And if you have a moment, leave us a review. It helps others who are interested in high quality research and education about Americans who are Muslim find us. You can learn more about the Institute for Social Policy and Understandings Research at ISPU.org and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the ISPU. And we're on Instagram at the underscore ISPU. Thanks for tuning in.